Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. Shay Cornette filling in for Max Kellerman this morning. Good morning. Wake up. Time to talk about some football on a Monday after week two. Again, KJNM. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Guests join us on the Goodyear hotline. If you want to give us a call on the Dr. Pepper call-in line, it's 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. We're asking you what was the most impressive win or performance of week two. Quickly, before we get into some of these calls, guys, because the, the phone lines are blowing up. Last night's game between Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson finally gets the best of Mahomes. After four tries, he gets a dub. What was your biggest takeaway from last night? Just the way Lamar played. Uh, beating the Kansas City Chiefs late in the fourth quarter, obviously, the drive, as I like to call it, and just, just how he played. You know, everybody's talking about they went in there shorthanded or came into the game shorthanded and you know, for the most part, Kansas City was at full strength, and they still came out on the end of a W. I walked away thinking, how long is this type of play by Lamar Jackson sustainable? Right? Considering all the pieces that they're missing, what, 15 players in the IR? I mean, Marcus Peters to their secondary, a lot of issues. You got Latavius Murray. You got a lot of guys that just kind of signed on to the team. I give them a ton of credit. But how long is that type of play by Lamar Jackson sustainable? Is a legit question you have to ask yourself if you're a Ravens fan. Well, I feel like we've been asking that question. It seems like it's been sustainable, right? Like year after year for for the uh, Ravens. I, I don't have no problem with his style of play. Right. Anytime you can account for 350 total yards of offense, I would like to take the two interceptions back. But, you know, that is what it is. But you account for that type of yardage plus three touchdowns, two in the air, one on the ground. If you if I If I gave those same numbers as passing statistics – People would jump for joy. But when you start putting it together, run game, pass game, that's what Baltimore wants to do. They should still be jumping for joy because that is dynamic. When you can have a playmaker being able to deliver the football, whether it's a jump pass or not, to be able to do that, then run the ball like a running back wide receiver slash combo. If you don't want that, if you don't like that, you don't like ice cream. Are some people. I'm not hating on it. I, I like watching Lamar Jackson play. I mean, I, I, I do know last night watching Chris Jones and knowing Chris Jones, I know he got moved to the outside. They were picking on him left and right. They were abusing that. But my only question is, there's a difference between Latavius Murray or J.K. Dobbins, right? Like, So can those guys sustain that type of play? And if they can't sustain that type of play, then you need Lamar to do even more. That's my only concern. Well, he was doing the most last night, but the Ravens still a one-point narrow victory, still a victory over the Kansas City Chiefs. Speaking of a, a narrow victory, uh, the Cowboys had one of those yesterday over the Chargers. So we told you about a road team that won that felt like it was a home game. The Cowboys survived at the Chargers in L.A. But, Key, why did it feel like that game was played in Texas and not L.A.? Well, because it's the support system for the Chargers, it's not in L.A. They should still be in San Diego. Mm. And when you think about it, and you probably don't know this, Shay, but I'm going to bring you up to speed on it. The, in terms of pro football, the Raiders are the number one team in Los Angeles in terms of pro football. Yeah, I did not know and that. And then the Dallas Cowboys are slide right in there too. Mm. 
Yeah, it's, so it's a lot of – Dallas travels well regardless, right? Mm-hmm. But it's on the West Coast, the Dallas Cowboys got it on lock with the Raiders. Man, then the Rams, insane. then the Chargers. But USC is ahead of them as well. So it's like that's why you're going to see that. Yeah, I, I, that, that is surprising to me. I, I knew Cowboys fans traveled well. Obviously, they're called America's team for a reason. I feel like they're scattered all over the U.S., but I had no idea that they were behind even their hometown team uh, or ahead of, I should say, their hometown team. Look, a lot of issues for the Cowboys, okay? There are, but at the end of the day, they figured out a way to win. It was a 56-yard field goal by Greg Zerline to win it. And so here's Mike McCarthy on what happened and the clock management that was a little questionable at the end of the game. The clock situation just to the end was was different. I, I've never had a clock go off the board on me um, like that. So, you know, the second down, you know, we're we're trying to chip away and just get a shorter shorter field goal. And so we we were we were in an attempt to uh, a third down play and then kicking on fourth was the time frame we were in seventeen seconds I think. So we were right on the threshold. You know, we get into these two minute drills. You have thresholds: one minute, three, thirty seconds, seventeen seconds. So we were right at the threshold there of our operation and you know one of our players came off that you know shouldn't come off and just communication there so then we were just going to run it down but the the clock I was watching uh, went off the board and then the, you know clock Kellen had uh, I think he said a camera he, he got blocked by a camera guy so the communication was great from up top and you know and obviously you want to you want to call that time out between three you know three and four seconds well that's good as long as they had some sort of communication they didn't get to necessarily, you know, you got two different clocks, and but they were able to still communicate to get in a position to kick a field goal. It wasn't a complete disaster, but it's the Dallas Cowboys. It's Mike McCarthy. So that's what's going to happen. We're going to dissect, dissect clock management at the end of a game when clearly he just gave us the reasoning behind why they were in such a difficult situation then. I feel like two teams yesterday just really shot themselves in the foot with penalties. So you talk about Seattle. I mean, so many penalties. And you talk about the Chargers, too. I mean, they had 12 penalties for 99 yards. Even the touch, touchdown by Justin Herbert was a holding penalty. Things like that allow teams like Dallas to win these games. But I, I give Greg Zerlin a lot of credit, right? He yeah. missed two field goals week one. Yeah. Left a lot of points on the board for them to lose that game that people felt like they should have won. For them to make a 56-yard field goal to, to close it, Greg DeLay came through. Yeah. Well, one of the things that the Cowboys needed to do, Shay, going into this game was figure out their run game. They got about 200-plus yards. In the run game, maybe it wasn't all from Ezekiel Elliott. Some was for 100, plus was from Pollard. But when you combine that together, you win a lot of games if you're rushing for two, over 200 yards in a game. Can I just say this? And you obviously played in the league. I did not. You're a professional athlete. I was not. But Tony Pollard looked like the better back yesterday mm-hmm. as opposed to Ezekiel Elliott. Like, he was more explosive. Obviously, he had more yardage. Like, he looked like the premier back, not Ezekiel Elliott in this game. Well, I, I, I just think it's what they're probably – as the course of the season goes on, you'll see a somewhat of a two-headed monster backfield. You saw it in week one against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with him and Pollard. You saw it in week two against the Chargers. You'll see it continue to evolve, and then when it – when it gets down to it, come playoff time, Zeke will be the full care. He'll be the full back that'll be toting the rock. But, Key, what, what is it that seems different about Zeke? I mean, because I thought everything you hear about him in the offseason, he's in the best shape of his life. He yeah. feels good. Just feels like he hasn't gotten off. I, and granted, two games, right? I mean, he only had 13 carries. So, when you only touch the ball 13 times, you're not going to really get – you're splitting carries now. Between the two backs, they carried the ball probably a total of 28 times. That's, that's usually one guy. But when you're splitting it down the middle, it's kind of hard to get into a rhythm. You know, he ripped off about, I want to say he ripped off probably about 70, 75 yards 
in those 13 totes, which is a good average, which is still good. He was able to touch the ball out of the backfield as an outlet, the safety valve uh, at times for Dak Prescott. I don't mind a two-headed monster. It just at some point in time, you got to be able to have a dude who's the bell cow down the stretch, and I think Zeke will be that guy. Eventually. Eventually. But right now, it, it looks like it might be going the other way. Okay, we asked you to call in on the Dr. Pepper call in line, most impressive performance or win in week two. Zach's in Madison with something to say. Good morning to you, Zach. Good morning. Happy Monday. <laughs> What's going All right, on? So I absolutely love the exchange between Harbaugh and Lamar. I want that 100 times out of 100 for my quarterback. What I want to know from you guys is if that situation happens and Matt LaFleur calls out to Aaron Rodgers on fourth and one, you want to go for it. Does he shrug? Does he say, hell yeah? I I don't know anymore. I'd like to think I would. Five years ago, I'd say, hell yeah, but... What do you guys think? Uh, okay, that's a really good question, Zach and Madison. Obviously, he's referring to last night. It was fourth and one on their own 43, and, and Harbaugh yells to Lamar Jackson, you want to go for it? He yells back, hell yeah. So he's wondering if that should happen. Let's just say tonight for, for fun sake because the Packers are playing the Lions. Would Aaron Rodgers say, hell yeah? yeah. Like, yeah, he would, right? Yeah, considering <laughs> what happened last year? Exactly. Miscommunication? Was he even asked? I don't no, know. it's having a question this year. Yes. <laughs> I don't know one quarterback that wouldn't say go. I mean, everybody would be like, yes, that's. Yeah, That's what we, we do. Yeah. Like, I'm not trying to give Patrick Mahomes another opportunity to be on the field. Exactly. Like, no. I And I, we want to refer to last year. Like, I don't think Aaron Rodgers was asked for the field goal situation. Like, maybe it would be different this time around. I don't know. We'll see. All right. Key's observations from week two, including an MVP candidate. He is going all in on. That's next. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max on ESPN Radio, ESPN2, and Sirius XM Channel 80. Congratulations, Hunter. 2-0. What were the keys to getting this win? Defense played out of their mind. Ankle got twisted up, felt it right away. Did not feel good. It's a bad feeling to not be out there, especially in that situation. More Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max next. Week two. Already almost in the books. We got one more game to go tonight. Monday Night Football between the Packers and the Lions. It's Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. I'm Shea Cornette filling in for Max Kellerman this morning. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline. But right now, we're about to get to some key observations brought to you by Geico. Whether you rent or own, Geico makes it easy to bundle home and car insurance. Go to geico.com today. And so, Key, let's go with these key observations. Raiders and Steelers. Well, the key observation for the Raiders and Steelers, you start there, you think about car. You think about Derek Carr. He gets so much hate from people not putting him into that elite category. Right now, he is, along with Kyler Murray, at the top of the leaderboard for MVP. 2-0, two hostile environments, one at home on the defensive side by the Baltimore Ravens. He wins that game. Then he goes to Pittsburgh without Jacobs in the backfield. He gets knocked out of the game for a split second there. He comes back, leads the charge. They're 2-0, going into Pittsburgh, a team that went into Buffalo and upset the Bills a week ago. Saints at Panthers. Well, here's what I would say about the Saints at Panthers. We're talking about more so about Sam Darnold than we are about the Saints in this situation. Who got the better deal? Is it the Carolina Panthers or is it the New York Jets fans? I think it's the Carolina Panthers when you look at what Sam Darnold's been able to do. He is now sitting at 2-0 with D.J. Moore. We continue to talk about Robbie Anderson, Kristen McCaffrey, but he also has a head coach 
who understands how to coach and an offensive coordinator who knows how to put him in right the right positions to be successful. Well, on the other hand, you got a young rookie quarterback giving up the goods at MetLife Stadium, four interceptions by a young Zach Wilson. He may be able to get out of it at some point in time, but right now today, don't tell me anything about no damn arm talent, period. Chiefs and Ravens. Lamar Jackson, he gets it out of his system. He finally gets an opportunity to get over the hump against the Kansas City Chiefs last night. We saw him just just dynamic playmaker, both on passing the football as well as rushing. They missed some running backs, but they didn't miss him. He was able to stay in sync, doing exactly what we've always seen him do, Shay. Deliver the football in sync, short passing game, intermediate run game for him, getting behind big offense alignment, creating first downs. Not only that, scoring touchdowns when they don't expect for a guy like this to do it. How can you not account for number eight? How can you not? Well, he's only a runner, not a passer. Oh, okay. So that means you should be paying attention to him running the football. Pretty good for a running back. Broncos at Jaguars. Teddy, two gloves. Two and oh, or two and zero, as my man Jay Will would say. Yes. Two and zero. Here's a lot of people who had a question mark on the Broncos quarterback situations. Yes, I would rather have Aaron Rodgers at quarterback, of course. But we don't have Aaron Rodgers. All we got is Teddy Bridgewater. Two and oh, leading the charge, gives us what we need, doesn't make any mistakes, takes care of the football. I don't know why the Carolina Panthers moved on from him, but right now the Denver Broncos are sure happy to have him. Way to cover last night, boys. Way to cover. <laughs> Bengals at Bears. Cincinnati Bengals. Tampa Bay, uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Chicago Bears. I didn't know the Tampa Bay Bears was such a team. But the Chicago Bears. <laughs> Justin Fields is now the quarterback of the Chicago Bears, Shea. Whether you want to believe it or not, he didn't have a big statistical day. 6 of 13, 60 yards and an ill-advised throw and an interception. But yet and still, he got the W in relief. And I think you now have a decision to make if you're Matt Nagy and company on whether or not he's the starting quarterback heading into next week. I believe he will be based on the injury by default. They need to make it known to the public so the public can get off their back. Mm-hmm. All right. Those were the key observations. So now, Jay, the question to you is what observation did Key miss? Jay, as my nana would say, my grandmother, uh, sugar, yesterday was <laughs> yesterday. And today is today. And yesterday, what we saw last week in week one against the Cardinals was a team that went away from King Henry. 17 carries. Game started to get out of reach. A lot of questions around Mike Rabel, uh, Rabel Julio Jones, all those questions coming out. What did we see this week? Oh, we, we saw 35 carries for 182 yards after they were down 24 to 9 at the half for three touchdowns, six catches out of backfield for 55 yards. King Henry is about to be returned in the MVP conversation. And those are the kind of performances that remind you of how talented he is. That's the only one I thought he missed. Well, I mean, I didn't really miss it, but I understand what you're saying, Jay. But when you look at it, they got back to doing what Tennessee does best, which is running the the, the offense through the back. Mm -hmm. And when they made that decision that Derrick Henry was going to tote the rock, now it opens up everything else. We found Julio Jones. There was a Julio Jones sighting. After last week being criticized by the head coach and Mike Vrabel, now all of a sudden here's a guy that has 130 yards in the air, eight touches. That's the guy that you traded for. Speaking of Derrick Henry, uh, Dennis is in Delaware and has something to say about Derrick Henry himself. Good morning to you, Dennis. What do you want to say about the King? 
Yeah, just just an awesome performance by Derrick Henry. Three touchdowns, 186 yards. He took over in the second half uh, and in overtime. Uh, You know, Tannehill was just mediocre, made some turnovers, but really basically saved the Titans' season. I mean, otherwise they would have went 0-2. But the um, Keyshawn, the other thing I want to pivot to is, you know, Josh Allen really took care of business in South Florida. And, you know, he's kind of – my key observation is that the Dolphins are in big trouble. I mean, um, you know, Mike Tannenbaum told us that Tua Tungvaldoa had the sixth lower extremity surgeries. He's fragile. Um, you know, Buffalo hung 34 on him yesterday. In December, they hung 50 on him. The Dolphins are in big, big trouble. Um, yeah. They're going out. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Dennis. Yeah, uh, big trouble for the Dolphins yesterday. You couldn't even generate a point. Mm. No, I, I expected Josh Allen to bounce back. I mean, week one last year, he torched them, and they did it again yesterday. But, I mean, I'm not a believer in the Dolphins at all. I never thought that the Dolphins – I always thought that this division, AFC East, would come down to two teams, the Buffalo Bills and the New England Patriots. And I think that is where it's going to be still. The Jets are going to finish in fourth. And the Dolphins are finishing third. Somewhere right there in the middle. All right, let's go to Craig in New Orleans. He's got something to say about Jameis Winston. Craig, good morning to you. What's going on? Uh, yeah, sorry. I had a question um, <clears throat> about five touchdowns last week versus, you know, what we did this week. Like, what, like, what do you really think about Jameis in New Orleans? No, I don't. You know what? It's so much that went on over the last couple of weeks for the New Orleans Saints, man. I'm not going to get down on them because they basically threw, dropped an egg in Carolina. But when you think about preparation, they're removed from New Orleans. They're somewhere, I think they're still in Houston, possibly still practicing. Texas, yeah. And so it's you got all that going. Then you got eight coaches that are not on the staff. I mean, it's just, it's a lot that happened to them yesterday. COVID injuries. I mean, yeah, there's man. a lot. Yeah, there's all sorts of. Wild stuff going on. I mean, look, in week one, Jameis Winston didn't have the best stat line in terms of numbers outside of the touchdowns, right? Four touchdowns, one rushing and no interception. And then this week he has no passing touchdowns and two interceptions, which it doesn't feel right. Here's the thing that I take away, though, from the Jameis Winston and the New Orleans Saints performance. In week one, we're not really focused on the Saints. What do we talk about? How bad the Packers were. Now in week two, we're not really talking about the Saints. We're talking about how good the Panthers were, right? Like, at what point are we going to have a conversation about the Saints and where they're at? Because so far through two weeks, it's been about the other team. Yeah, I think you you start to have that conversation after a couple more games, Shay. I mean, it's still early, right? It's a, it's an early situation. Unfortunate for them. They've got – they had the COVID incidents with the coaches. So you start to look at all that, and you can't not – mention those things when you're talking about the the way that they played yesterday. You've got to have a conversation about why, who's missing, who was an important part of the staff, the information that was being given. Yeah, Sean Payton is a primary play caller, and he was still there, but mm-hmm. his his lieutenants were not. So the guys that he would typically lean on, you know, Curtis Johnson, the receiver coach, who he leans on, was not there. So I, I can see how they can lose the – the Panthers, I don't see them continuing to play like that the rest of the year, though. I, I feel like Jameis Winston, obviously, you made mention of it, Shay, first game. It wasn't for a lot of yardage. It was more about execution and right. precision. Right, right. I, I think, you know, he had some ill-advised passes. The one before half, he had a lot of room to run. Uh, he tried to force the issue. The second second interception, he just – I don't even know who the hell he was throwing the ball to. 
But I'm still willing to say, all right, James, like there's going to be time that we have to give him, considering all these other factors that Key just mentioned, where it feels like you give Jameis Winston a little bit of a pass before we see more from him. Yeah, week two. And right, like maybe not everything was on him yesterday. Like we mentioned all the offensive coaches that were missing, and I don't know the exact scenario, but it was something along the lines of like, let's say a running backs coach was coaching like receivers, running backs, and tight ends. Like, I mean, they were doing the most. Defense has to get called out too for the way they compete. Yeah, sure. Fair enough. Totally fair enough. Let's go to Kyle in Spokane. It's got something to say about the Raiders, but not what we've been talking about with the Raiders. Kyle, good morning. Good morning, guys. How you doing? What's good. up, man? Uh, so, I've been a Raider fan forever. I am skeptical about week one. We played defense for the first time since Derek Burgess and Namde Austin while we're on our team. We did it again week two. Do you really think that there's actually a possibility that we actually know how to play defense with Gus Bradley? <laughs> Raiders fans can't believe that they're actually playing at this level right now, Key. That's always goes back to, is it sustainable? Well, the Raiders did start out 6-2 and two last year yeah, as well, and 2-0. I, and oh. So, I mean, it's a but fair it's a question. Different, it's a different 6-2 and two start last year than it would be this year just because they, they didn't have, or they haven't under Gruden, had that, Monday night thriller kind. I know they beat Kansas City, but it's not the same as beating in a home opener, the pressure, the fans, beating a team like Baltimore in in the way that they did it. Then going on the road, right, and taking care of business in Pittsburgh when the majority of people out there put the money on Pittsburgh. Um, But the defense under Gus Bradley, that front four is dominant. You know, dominant to a degree. They're playing – the way you anticipate a front four playing with Rob Marinelli, the defensive line coach, could just do what he does. And Gus Bradley can call the defense. They've got to shore up their secondary some more. Um, if they can shore up their secondary, tighten that thing up, then I think they could have a very formidable defense that can pair with their offense and make some noise. If you look at the schedule too, Shay, they have mm-hmm. the Dolphins that are coming to Vegas, right, without Tua. You, you think yeah, that would be right. okay? Then they play at the Chargers, which would be a game, obviously. Uh, then they have the Bears at home. Then at the Broncos and the Eagles. I mean, so their 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 schedule is favorable for them to actually come out of this looking like they're nice. trending in the right direction. It's not nice, Jay. Favorable. Well, you know, playing my Bears at home in two weeks. <laughs> I'm just sorry. kidding. I'm just sorry. Kidding. It's all right. Um, all right. So uh, we're gonna have a guest here in a minute. What was Dan Orlowski's biggest observation from Week Two? Well, we'll get to that after Sports Center. Tyson Williams in the backfield with Pat Ricard. Give us to Lamar Jackson. He'll keep it on the read option, and he flips in for the go-ahead touchdown. That was one of Jackson's two fourth-quarter rushing touchdowns on WBAL AM 1090, and the Ravens rallied from down 11 points in the fourth quarter to beat Kansas City 36-35. Jackson threw for 239 yards and ran for 107 in his first career win against Kansas City. The 11-point deficit was also the largest comeback win of Jackson's career. Patrick Mahomes on the other side threw his first career interception in the month of September and saw his eight-game win streak in primetime come to an end. Tua Tungvaluwa was injured on Miami's second drive of the game and the Dolphins never got back on track, losing 35 to nothing to the Bills with Jacoby Brissett in at quarterback. Dolphins coach Brian Flores said tests will be done Sunday night and Monday morning on Tungvaluwa's injury and quote will hopefully have a little more information then end quote. Tungvaluwa's injury was the biggest one on a day filled with them. Carson Wentz left 
The Colts lost to the Rams with an ankle injury. T.J. Watt hurt his groin against the Raiders. And the Eagles' Brandon Graham is done for the year with an Achilles injury. Following the Nittany Lions' win Saturday against Auburn, they move up four spots to number six in the AP Top 25. Despite wins over the weekend, Clemson and Ohio State both fell. The Tigers beat Georgia Tech by six and dropped to number nine, while Ohio State's close win over Tulsa forced them down to number 10. Defending national champion Alabama remained an overwhelming number one after holding on to win against Florida. The Tide received 59 of 62 first-place votes. Sports Center brought to you by Goodyear College Football is back, and Goodyear knows the passion it takes to drive every game forward. Whether your team's home or away, the traditions that bring us together are still the same. That's the road that moves us. Goodyear, more driven. It's go time this year. The fans back in the stadium. I can't wait to get out. He's in. 46-yard catch and run by Kelsey. Lamar Jackson, he'll keep it on the read option, and he flips in for the go-ahead touchdown. Edwards in there. Fumbles the ball. The Ravens have recovered. It is fourth down and one. I'm like, man, I got to get this first down no matter what. He's got a gap. He's got a first down. And it is party time in Baltimore. Sunday night, but the Ravens come away victorious by one point, but a W is a W, and so Lamar Jackson and the Ravens rally. They beat the Chiefs 36-35. to It's Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max coming to you live from the Seaport District at Pier 17. Brought to you by Chase. My name is Shay Cornett, filling in for Max Keller in this morning, and his name is Dan Orlowski. He is joining us here on set. D.O. What up, baby? Uh, How you guys doing? I feel like I'm a singer adjusting this microphone. I know, right? right? Like, you need a guitar, don't you? Well, no. Trust me. Okay. Never mind then. That's for everybody. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, ESPN football analyst Dan Orlowski giving us a straight talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. Let's start with Ravens and Chiefs last night. Ravens get the W. Uh, they finally, Lamar Jackson finally beats the Kansas City Chiefs. Your biggest takeaway? Uh, the Ravens had absolutely no business winning the game. The only reason they do because Lamar was the best player on the field. Um, you go into that game. I was actually on the phone with producers Forget up, and I'm like, I think this game's going to be a blowout. Just because the Ravens were so decimated with injuries. Mm-hmm. And Lamar was just so spectacular. And he got the game to the fourth quarter and then was special. Um, the, the most impressive part of the performance for me with, with Lamar was the mental resolve. We've watched Lamar be special talent-wise and have incredible plays. But the, going into the game, the way it starts, the pick six... And then the interception again going into the red zone to Teron Matthew. You're like, man, this is tough. But the mental resolve to just keep going ahead was the thing that I don't know if we've seen that from Lamar. We've seen that competitive spirit against Seattle a couple years ago on the road. But the ability just to stay in the moment. And then I loved Harbaugh. And I know the, the, the moment went viral when he was like, hey, you want to go for it? You know, like I say to my kids all the time, don't ask me questions you know the answer to. Harbaugh knew what Lamar was going to say, but in that moment, he's kind of like empowering him. Like, hey, this is your moment. This is your team. And he knew Lamar would say, yeah, let's go for it. So um, he was the best player on the football field last night. And uh, we can't ask the question, can you beat Patrick Mahomes anymore? Yeah, Yeah, see, that's the question. Can you beat Patrick Mahomes? Now, let's turn the page. Now, there's another story to create for Lamar. Like, we turn the page all the time, Dan, about your boy. Carson Wentz. Here we go again. You couldn't wait for this one. No, huh? no. I'm just saying. Here we go again. Nah, nah. Like, is it just <laughs> is it just one of those deals where he can't get out of his own way? I yeah. mean, now it's an injury again. Yeah. I mean, it's Aaron Donald, and you're like, how does this happen again type of thing? My viewpoint on it is this, and I, it's probably an unpopular one, but it's the reality for me. If you're hurt, I feel like you got to go back out there. 
You know, I, I just do. I've said this. Your team gave up. This organization organization gave up a one and a three to go figure get it you. Right? Kind of put their neck out a little bit on the line. You got to figure it out. It's a big game. There's two minutes left in the gotta game. Figure it out. It's basically a drive. If he's injured, I get it. Like if he's injured and there's more significant damage to it, I can understand that. But part of me wants you to go. I don't care what the doctors are saying. Yeah. I'm going back out on the field. You know and. That's the difference, the whole the program hurt versus injured thing. I think if he's hurt and there's a sprained ankle, you got to go back out there in those two minutes. That's my opinion on See, it. See, for me, Dan, I'm not a doctor, but I am a doctor in a way. You slated <laughs> the Holiday um, Express? Um, yeah, right. I'm watching him stand on the sideline like you're standing. Yeah. I don't typically see players yeah. that are injured yeah. standing on the sideline. Yeah. They're usually on the bench with ice. Or in the damn training room. Right. right. But if you're standing, time, yeah. that means if something comes your way, you've you got to get out of the way. Something. You got sure. to move. So when I see that, I'm like, come on, man, seriously. Keith, so, and this is, there's like this desperation as players. You know this, right? I'm not comparing myself to Carson Wentz. In 2000 and, um, 2011, I was actually starting for the Colts. It's the last game of the year. We're on the road at the Jaguars. And I, ta- I take off running at the end of the first half. I'm a guy who's completely fighting for my job in, in the NFL right now. And I take off. I get my ankle rolled. We go into halftime. They take x-rays. It's not broken. I can barely stand on it. Yeah. And they're like, Dan, you can't play. And I looked at him, and I was like, dude, tape it up. Yeah. And I don't care what it is. Play the rest of the game and go home, tore lig- ligaments, all that stuff. But in that moment, I just want some desperation from him, you know, to understand – yeah, this, this, my ankle might be jacked up right now, and it might not be the best thing for me to go out there, but I feel like you just have to go prove, and I, he's a tough dude, but you got to prove to yeah. the organization like you're going to like understand the desperation of the moment. Now, maybe it comes out that he's got a broken ankle or there's significant yeah. damage, and that's yeah. a different conversation. Yeah, a different but different conversation. I just, I, but what the, our eyeballs right, is telling us is you to get on yeah. the field. If you're Chris Ballard or if you're Frank Reich, are you looking at saying, like, how durable is this guy? Like, should we go for a better backup quarterback here? Well, you're, you knew you were rolling the dice a little Obviously, bit. Yeah. It was a calculated risk with the move. Um, you, you still go, is the option of X better than Carson Wentz? You know, Carson Wentz played good last week against the Seahawks and was playing good against the Rams yesterday. So you're, you're not going to find a significant upgrade performance-wise. Mm-hmm. The calculated risk of the health and the availability is there. It, I hate it because I, you know, like you want him to be the player that he can be. Um, you got to figure out how long he's going to be out for till you kind of take that next step. Well, one quarterback that certainly took a ne- another step in a lot of people's eyes, similar to what Carson Wentz went through. Baker Mayfield yeah. left the game and came back right. and led his team to a victory. So, what did you look? How did you look at his play yesterday? Um, I, I thought him going back in the game was everything that Cleveland kind of at least bodies. Yeah, man, yeah. you got to go. You know, it's your left shoulder, bud. And you can't your, your team can't fall in two. That, that's my and there is the desperation for me with Baker. A little bit aggressive with the football and that interception. Um, but at the end of the day, it was I got to figure out a way to get back onto the football field for my team. And then he goes and runs for a touchdown, you know. Baker Mayfield in that way, and maybe my my vantage point of this all is skewed because I was with Matthew Stafford, who, dude, if he's got a heartbeat, he's on the field, you know? It doesn't matter. And so it reminds me a little bit of that, that no matter what, he was going back on the field because he knew he had to figure out a way 
for his team to win the game. How about Zach Wilson's performance? I mean, I, I heard a lot of chiming yesterday from yeah. Jets fans watching Sam Darnold destroy it and Zach Wilson not destroy it. Yeah, just because you can doesn't mean you should. You know, a lot of those intercept three out of the four interceptions are on him, and then they're in the moment where I, I can make this throw. Well, you have to learn that whether you can or can't or whether you should or shouldn't, you know? And he's got to go through a little bit of this learning process. By the way, that play by McCourty was sick to tip it to his teammate. But he's got to go through that learning process of, oh, I can make this throw. Well, can you in the NFL? Mm. You know, you, maybe you can in the Mountain West. So but- funny you said that. You wasn't on our text exchange yesterday. I literally texted that to everybody. I said, this is the NFL. Yeah. As to say, this is not the Mountain West. Right. These are not 17-year-old kids that you're throwing against. Yeah. These are grown-ass men with full beards with car seats in the back. Right, and the ball is their li- livelihood. Yes. You know, it's not – they're not on scholarship. They're no. They're just going collecting checks. And so I'm not alarmed by it at all. You just – this is a learning process for him because if you look at the interceptions, they're all pushing the ball downfield. They're all – All of them. You know, trying to make those crazy type of throws. And while you want him – I love the tackle on the interception. No, while you I don't. want him to be that with that aggressive mindset, and he's got to learn himself. You, Jay, you'll never be great in this league. If you aren't willing to put the ball in harm's way, you'll never be great in this league if you don't learn you can't be careless with it. And that's the process that he has to go through. I mean, I remember Zach Wilson saying during training camp he was going to make these kinds of throws now, right? Because he needs to make mistakes to learn from them. Well, you can't make them now that we're right. in the regular season. Training camp was the time for it. Quickly, before we let you go, I have to do this as the resident Chicago in here. Uh, the Bears quarterback situation, what's going to happen now going forward? If you needed an excuse to put him on the field, well, here it is. You know? <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Right? That's what I told her. Yeah. And <laughs> I, that's it, what it is. I look at it, the interception, okay? That's going to get a lot of quarterbacks. That, that's going to get Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady's. That all-out pressure, drop a guy from the line of scrimmage, that is brutal for a quarterback. It just, those are one of those things you just got to go, oh, that, that's pretty good. You know, Penn State's not doing a lot of that, or Indiana's not doing a lot of that. Indiana actually might. but So a learning experience for him. But that being said, he's also two inches, three inches away from being eight of 13 for 150 yards and two touchdowns. Because the bomb to Allen Robinson, we've watched Allen Robinson make bad quarterbacks look good. For him to drop that, not going to happen again. And then Mooney just kind of two inches off. But the third and nine play for me is the, the reason why you play him. Third and nine, your offensive line gets whooped, make a guy miss, and then run for the first down. Andy Dalton can't do that. So if there was a reason that you were, you were hoping to have him on the field, you're 0-2. Yeah. Uh, now you're one and one. one. You're one one one. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. All right, Dan, thank you so much for the time this morning. We really appreciate it. So week two, not over. And after dropping a a big ish in week one, there's one team that needs to wipe that slate clean in their home opener. That's after Jay has this from Indeed. You have to eat an egg on TV. No, a carton of eggs. No, I didn't say a carton. You said a Okay, I got to go to break. Running your own business requires a lot of running around. From bookkeeping to client meetings, you run it all. By the time you need to hire, you run out of energy. Luckily, with Indeed Instant Match, you immediately receive a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description the moment you sponsor a job. You see, according to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. Hiring can finally run smoothly with Indeed. To learn more, visit Indeed.com slash credit. That's Indeed.com slash credit. Do I think Aaron Rodgers will be a repeat offender in terms of this week against the Lions? No, I don't. I think they will be ready to go, and you will see a much better player in Aaron Rodgers. More Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max next.
Sometimes we know a thing or two about this. You know what I mean? It's Keyshawn, Jay, Will, and Max coming at you on a Monday morning. Wake up. Good morning. My name is Shay Cornette filling in for Max Kellerman. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline. Keyshawn, Jay, Will, and Max brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. Straight Talk Wireless has rolled out 5G coverage nationwide. You can get a Samsung Galaxy A32 5G for only $299. No contract. All in America's best networks. Straight Talk Wireless 5G capable device required. Actual availability, coverage, and speed may vary. Okay, so tonight we got Monday Night Football. It is the last game of week two in the NFL it's on ESPN and in, you can also catch ESPN two with Peyton and Eli Manning and it's the Packers and the Lions a divisional showdown in the NFC North and if you forgot what happened last week to the Packers well they lost terribly in Jacksonville to the Saints and after the game Aaron Rodgers gave us the 2021 version of relax here's a rod look we won a lot of games around here we've lost a few but you move on doesn't matter if you play incredible and Put up 50 or you get blown out. You move on to the next next opponent. There shouldn't be some big drastic change and alteration the way that we do things, the way we practice, the way we prepare. If it's good enough to get you to this point, then it's good enough from this point forward. So I haven't changed any of the stuff that I've been doing. Um, obviously, you know, we got to play better. But if we're starting to freak out after one week, we're in big trouble. Okay, 38-3 was the final in week one for the Packers' loss against the Saints. I mean, not one single touchdown from Aaron Rodgers. And so as you look ahead tonight to the Lions, a team the Packers should and usually do beat, what do you think about Aaron Rodgers' words? Yeah, Shane, when you think about it, sometimes you eat the bear, sometimes the bear eat you. And that's what happened to them last week against the Saints. I'm not worried about it. I think looking at coming out of training camp, lack of that, lack of preseason, Sometimes it just goes that way. Every team can't go undefeated. Every team can't win 14, 15, 16 games. You're going to drop some along the way. Uh, Clearly, they know that they've got to do things different than they did against the Saints in order to come out against the Lions, regardless if the Lions are undermanned or not, regardless if Green Bay is a better team or not. We just saw last night that most people around the NFL – would say that the Kansas City Chiefs are a better football team than the Baltimore Ravens. But look what happened. Baltimore won the game. So they've got to know that they've got to play all four quarters, all three phases of the game to get past Detroit. It's not going to be that simple. Jay, uh, in the last eight games against the Lions, the Packers and Aaron Rodgers are 7-1, and one, okay? Mm-hmm. And so they head into tonight's game – with a bit of a chip on their shoulder, do you think it matters against the Lions? I, I think any time you have the opportunity that you're afforded a chip, you take that as a, as a, as a building opportunity. I, look, the, the record speaks for itself against the Lions. As, as a betting guy, it's, it's, uh, they're 11.5-point favorites. I'm definitely taking that tonight, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I just Matt LaFleur, after they lose, he's 6-0. And Aaron Rodgers has thrown four touchdowns or more in the last four of those games. So, for me in the locker room, if my head, if our heads just got beaten that way, you you could be one thousand percent correct, Key, that we're about to come out here and make a statement. And I agree with Aaron Rodgers. You don't have to change anything drastically than what you've done. Thirteen and three the past two seasons, NFC Championship games. You know who you are. The game got out of hand, but that's the momentum that you bring into this game. And there's no better candidate to have than play against to find yourself offensively again than Detroit. 
Look, I'll say this about the great ones in the NFL or any sport in general. They typically don't have bad back-to-back games. I mean, that's just the truth. Roger hasn't lost consecutive games by 10 or more points since 2016, and that was weeks 10 and 11. Mm. I mean, they just don't. Like, you don't see it from Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady and throw so on down the line. Like, if Aaron Rodgers goes out and the Packers lay an egg tonight as they host as they um, host the Lions, I will be shocked, utterly shocked. There's no way, right? Yeah, I don't, I don't, it, there is a way, but I don't think it'll happen. I don't think that the Lions will beat the Packers, especially in Lambeau. I just don't see it. I, I know that, you know, Detroit have hung around. They hang around, make you think that, oh, my God, they're going to do something, and they all of a sudden in the fourth quarter they disappear, mm-hmm. as we saw against Seattle. I mean, that's just who they are. They against the 49ers. Things, uh, 49ers. Yeah. I don't know why I said Seattle. Right. Same 49ers. Division. Um, But that's who they are. That's just – what they do. Mm-hmm. I also feel like they need to get back to their to their run game, right? Like it, it seemed like it was something. Granted, they were playing behind, but I think the more you establish the run game, Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon, the more you can do that. I think it sets up for Aaron Rodgers out of that play action to do so much more. Look. What they need to do in this game, Shay, yeah, is clean stuff up, get back to what was wasn't working in against New Orleans and Jacksonville, expand on that. Because use this, I hate to say it, but use the Lions as a tune-up. Use this as a preseason before the regular season. That's fair. Speaking of the NFC North, let's quickly go to this Dr. Pepper call online. Jay's in Chicago. Good morning, Jay. Good morning. Listen, um, I love your show. I really do. And I just got to say, I know I'm a fan, but the Bears had the most impressive win to me because our offensive line is terrible. Matt Nagy can't call us. Uh, offensive play to save his life. We're not going to compete unless Bill Lazor starts doing those play calls. And Joe Burrow, before this game, looked unstoppable, looked brilliant. And our defense on three consecutive passes, interceptable. And look, Justin Fields, I know he his stats don't look great, but he was accurate. He had drops. He had Marquise Goodwin take a soft route yeah. and and not catch the ball. Thank you, Jay. Yeah, I hear you. Okay, a, a little bit of a snooze fest, though, was the Bears and the Bengals until later in the game, in my opinion. Once Fields went in, then I think I woke up a little bit. I'm like, you, I'm you a little snoozy you, you here. You can't be happy, can you? I can't. You Nothing can't be happy about your team. I feel like I'm a typical still, woman, yeah. right? Now that makes me happy. It's true. Can, you can't point. win. You can't win. You can't win. I'm buying you flowers. <laughs> I'm taking you on dates. I'm doing, it's, it's not enough. It's fine. I can admit it. It's true. I know. It's hard. It's called high quality, not high maintenance. High quality. That's what it's called. But I'm happy that people in Chicago feel like it was a very impressive win over the Bengals. Hey, a W is a W, as you just said, A win right? is a win is a win. A win is, is a win, win is, is a win. win. Even if it's over the Bengals. Hey. Even if it's over the high school team, it's a win. <laughs> All right, we, we got a battle of rookie quarterbacks. They seem to be playing for the same team. We'll get into it next. It's Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max on ESPN Radio heading to ESPN News.